pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. By 2016, Anna Delvey was a regular in the NYC social scene, frequenting many popular downtown restaurants, bars, and clubs. With an extravagant lifestyle and a seemingly endless supply of money, Delvey was an enigma that was made for the age of Instagram, always at the right place with the right people, living her best life, but with no apparent cause for her fame. Her circle of acquaintances was fed various stories as to how she accumulated her vast wealth. Her father was a Russian billionaire, a Russian diplomat, an oil tycoon, a Russian antiques collector, or a solar energy capitalist. While many parts of Delvey's story were fluid, some things were consistent. Delvey made no effort to hide her internship at the Paris magazine Purple and made it very clear that her dream was to open a Soho house for art. And- Quote, upset fake German heiress Anna Sorokin vows to appeal her conviction. She's found guilty of grand larceny after a life of fake, ripping people off to nearly a quarter of a million dollars that we know of. Who would believe a Russian heiress and fork over thousands of dollars? And in court, she was more upset about her designer clothing wardrobe than she was about being found guilty. Now, that's unusual. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. This girl, Anna Sorokin, also known as Anna Delvey, somehow manages to con Soho Elite out of a quarter of a million dollars. Joining me in all-star lineup, Jeff Cortese. Former FBI special agent, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags. Dr. William July, psychologist, and John Limley. CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, John Limley. Help me out. This girl shows up. Her skin is so pale, she looks like a ghost. And she's got this long brown hair, parted, usually slightly on the side, big glasses, and the hair hangs down like curtains over her face. You can barely see the eyes, you know, the hair is so close down. Right there. Uh, I, I can't see her face. That makes me suspicious. But who would buy into, my dad is a Russian billionaire. Give me your money. Oops, I forgot my credit card. 
What happened? Let's just start at the beginning. Well, Nancy, apparently a lot of people were just just hungry to buy into this story. Um, if New York City is a city of dreams, which we hear it called all the time, Anna had enough for the entire island. She had longed to be a member of the upper echelon of Manhattan society. Let me understand something, John Lindley, Crime Online investigative reporter. Did you just call her giant fraud, ripping people off tens of thousands of dollars, including one woman that took the stand, a working class person who goes on an ex all expense paid trip with her to Morocco? And then she gets stiffed with a $65,000 bill. Wait, are you calling that a dream? How? how wait, wait. How dare you One even say? One person's dream is another person's nightmare. Don't defend yourself with cliches. Don't. <laughs> the American dream, my rear end, Jeff Cortese, I call it something a lot different than the American dream. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, this was a, uh, at least on the front end, a well-executed uh, fraud. Uh, over the long term, it didn't it didn't have the legs to uh, remain sustainable. Though. The long term, I mean, she managed to pull it off, Wendy Patrick, for, you know, what, two years? I forgot how long she managed to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. Going on trips to Morocco, staying at, uh, I think it's 11 Howard, some ritzy. I, I don't even know how you find that hotel in New York. It's one of those places I don't think is even marked. Only rich people go there. Wendy Patrick, what is what happened to John Limley? The voice of reason. He just called this the American dream. What? Uh, well, I think I think John Lindley. What he was talking about is there are there are some misguided, vulnerable people that really are subjected to social predators like Anna. And you know, some people just are absolutely. You guys mentioned the glamour, the glitz. It's like they want to believe, and this fake it till you make it lifestyle. You know, nobody even took the time to say, show me the money, show me the funds, show me the, the corroboration behind your wild stories because caught up in the moment in an Instagram savvy society, people want to be in the company of people like Anna. And sadly, as a prosecutor, I am just, we, we are just absolutely just terrified of people like this that are able to so easily infiltrate our social network. Thing to Dr. William July, psychologist, author of A Dark Night. They did acquit her off, which I was shocked about because this girl actually took the stand. Grand larceny for allegedly stealing $62,000 from a friend that she said, come along, I'll pay for everything on a trip to Morocco. Okay, I think they actually punished the friend. Because when you go on a luxurious trip to Morocco, you stay in a five-star hotel. They went to spa treatments that were costing like $300 a treatment. You know what? I take Lucy to let her get her nails done. And I say, oh, no, no, mommy doesn't want to get her nails done. Uh-uh. I am not paying anybody $50 to cut my nails. I can do that. I'm okay with that. Okay? They were spending... $300 for a 40-minute treatment, whatever that treatment may be, uh, laying in mud, getting their nails, whatever. 300 I think they, the jury punished that friend for going along with the excess, Dr. July. Yeah, I mean, at, at worst, Nancy, what you're looking at in cases like this, at worst is a psychopathological level of narcissism. At best, what you're looking at is a person who has so much greed and uh, desire to please herself that she doesn't care what the consequences are for other people. And you, you were asking earlier, and I just want to address what you were asking earlier about why and how 
can this sort of thing happen? We're all baffled when we see this, but it's age old. It's, it's a tale as old as time. The uh, charlatan comes in and fools everyone. So there's a part of people that are looking at this who want to believe it because they want to hang out with a person who has this kind of social uh, uh, this, these types of social credentials, and they want to believe that she's an heiress so that they can be with her. And people are blaming social media. It's not the fault of social media. Social media is just a facilitator to the, the, the neediness of other people who want to believe and accept it. Why are you piling on everybody on the panel except Cortese? No, no. Thank goodness, as keeps talking about the Instagram society. You know what? Instagram didn't have a dang thing to do with this. It was all Miss Thing. Anna no, Sorokin no. slash Anna no, no. Delvey. Oh, no. and P.S., P.S., I just found out her parents have disowned her. They are hardworking, middle-class people that she borrowed a ton of money, borrowed, i.e. stole, a ton of money from them as well. Hey, but she didn't just create a different identity. Her real name is not Anna to a Russian billionaire, an oil tycoon, or a solar energy magnate. Um, her parents, I think the dad drives a truck, and uh, I, I know what that's like. My uh, dad, as you know, worked on the railroad. My mom uh, started as a bank teller. My grandfather drove an ice truck and a school bus, anything to put the food on the table, but she not only assumed different an identity for herself, but she also created a whole team of imaginary assistants, an assistant, an accountant, a manager. Limley, is this true? All of her imaginary assistants? Well, and some were not so imaginary. Uh, she even had the concierge at a hotel essentially on her staff at her beck and call. She was able to convince people of uh, not only her wealth, but all of her aspirations, her dreams. She really wanted to build this members-only arts club on Park Avenue South and was even working to get the financing for it and was not too far away. Being this, John Limley, she lied to a bank using phony records. She was not working to get funding. She was lying through her fake Russian teeth. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Anna, who interned at a trendy French magazine, reportedly managed to scam extended stays in swanky Manhattan hotels, dinner at high-end restaurants, and flights on chartered jets. To finance her lavish lifestyle and keep the grift going, she allegedly built banks out of thousands in cash. And that's not all. The fake heiress reportedly fleeced her friend out of $62,000 for a world-class trip to Morocco. But Anna went too far when she attempted to take out a loan for $22 million to finance a visual arts center she called the Anna Delvey Foundation. In all, Anna reportedly scammed a total of $275,000. Anna's double life began to crumble as hotels went after her unpaid debts and banks began to investigate her alleged assets. Wow, that's Jesse Palmer over at Daily Mail TV. Wow, okay, so friends and acquaintances say Sorokin spent years playing the part of an art-obsessed German heiress. Sometimes she'd be Russian, sometimes she'd be German. She had an accent to go with it rubbing shoulders with the fashion elite at paris fashion week frequently spotted in london night spots uh then those who knew her saw her at a party in berlin she told everybody she had just flown in on a private jet how did she pull it off scamming nearly three hundred thousand dollars it was only when these uh, ritzy hotels in new york went after her to pay her bills that the whole thing fell apart. But what it it really amazed me, you know, uh, I I don't know if you do this or not, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags on Amazon. Wendy, under the Constitution, you can't force a defendant into court in handcuffs or leg irons or waist shackle. You can't force them to come in in inmate jumpsuit. Prison blues or orange or stripes, whatever the case may be. But I would always keep a jacket and pants in a couple of different sizes in my office. So when a defendant would show up on Monday morning trial calendar and say, oh, yeah, I want to go to trial, but I don't have a suit. I go, oh, I do have a suit for you. And they, of course, I never had it cleaned ever in the 10 years that I prosecuted. So they would just have to wear (laughs) the suit. But she was more concerned about what she wore to court every day. She had, she actually had a personal dresser, stylist dressing her for court, Wendy. Yeah, you know, Nancy, what the, what you're describing really is something hopefully the judge will take into considering at sentencing because it's this entire mentality of, of I don't want to say just not getting it. That would be too kind. It's a complete underappreciation, or I should say non-appreciation, for the fact that the rest of us work for a living. Her family works for a living. There is so much more to life than clothes and appearances and image. You know, one of the things that distinguishes this case is the fact that this overemphasis on image, on money, on glamour, sounds like it absolutely overrode every ounce of judgment that she had. And to take that into the courtroom, as you mentioned, Nancy, is probably a little bit beyond 
the pale. Listen to our friends at Inside Edition. This is Diane McInerney. This woman may look like she is dressed for a fashion show and in her designer duds, but the wannabe socialite is actually on trial for swindling hundreds of thousands of dollars from unsuspecting people. She was so concerned about how she looked in court, she actually hired a stylist. Is she in a courtroom or at a red carpet event? Anna Sorokin is accused of posing as an heiress to live an extravagant lifestyle, but it's what she's wearing to trial that is making headlines. The 27-year-old defendant showed up wearing a form-fitting black dress with a plunging neckline and choker necklace. It's a look that could backfire, warned stylist Don Karen. Black dress, definitely a no-no. It hypersexualizes her. It makes her appear to be like a seductress. The choker kind of shows to me that she's trying to be uh, overtly sexy. The more sexy uh, she appears to be, it hurts her. Sorokin is so obsessed with her clothes, she refused to enter the courtroom because the outfit she was given to wear was not up to her standards. The angry judge told her, this is unacceptable and inappropriate. This is not a fashion show. Sorokin's lawyer, Todd Spodek, says accounts of his client delaying the trial because of fashion are being blown out of proportion. It's not that she didn't want to come out only because of the clothes. She's going through a major criminal trial that's publicized every day. It's emotional and it's her life. Don't cry too much for Anna Sorokin because apparently there's a bidding war going on for her story. I guess it's going to end up on Netflix or HBO or maybe even on the big screen. She'll make a mint out of that. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Everybody, thank you for being with us. She was living a life that many people, not me, but many people dream of. She made a show of proving she belonged with the rich and famous, decked out in signature Celine glasses, Gucci sandals, a high-end boss from Net-a-Porter, Elise Walker. She usually holed up in a $400 a night room for months on end at Manhattan's very, very luxurious 11 Howard Hotel. Concierge at the hotel said they became friends when she would repeatedly, routinely pass out crisp $100 tips to both them and Uber drivers. When I hear the words crisp $100, how many $100 bills do you have, Jackie? I don't think I have any. I think John David has one and it's hidden in his bathroom under his brush. I happen to know where it is. One that I know of that I think my my mother gave him. So Jeff Cortese, uh, former FBI special agent, when I hear the word crisp $100 bills, that means you just got them out of an ATM or from the bank. So how did she manage to defraud the bank to get cash to tip concierge to fake for her? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think... uh... It's a numbers game uh, in in many respects. Uh, There were multiple banks engaged in her activity. Uh, She, it appears, based on the information, limited her trips back to the same well. Uh, Though she would go back to the same bank on occasion uh, for for certain certain banking activity, she did uh, share the wealth amongst the banks within New York so as not to draw uh, too much attention over an extended period of time. What I understand that she did, and I'm going to have to get uh, clarity on this, is that she would provide fake bank records to one bank, and then they would. She was trying to get a massive loan for 22 million, so she they wanted a down payment. So she faked records and got I don't know 50 to 100 grand from one bank, 
and use that money to get a loan as a down payment on a loan, a bigger loan, at another bank. None of the banks realizing what the others were doing. Another thing that really fascinates me, Dr. William July, and not in a good way, it's like looking at a tarantula under a glass box, okay? That sort of fascination is the way she carried on this big, huge, imaginary life. She would splash out on shopping sprees at boutiques, uh, very expensive personal training sessions and beautician appointments, and she would always bring along a friend and pay for them, and they would be all impressed. The social elite, as they call themselves, uh, would go to lavish and large dinners for celebs, artists, CEOs, um, all in restaurants there in Soho. And if you do look at her online, she's always drinking a, a big glass of wine at some beautiful location. How can an adult have that type of an imaginary life? I mean, I know when children have an imaginary friend, there's all sorts of psychological reasons for that, maybe just security. But an adult? Certainly people can have these types of imaginary lives and they're going to recruit other people but just because of the, the chronological age does not make a person have the maturation that they should have. And then that can be from a lot of different things. But certainly as much as she can get other people to buy into this, then that's because she's going to continue and she's going to expand that imaginary life. And people can be very charming. They can be very off-putting. Uh, excuse me. They can be very charming. They can be very uh, – persuasive and they can get other people to buy in there are people that can go into banks and they can fake a story and they can get people to believe it it happens every day and this is a person who can do that and the imaginary fast uh, parts of this i mean i would i haven't examined her so i can't go so far as to say she's delusional or anything like that but clearly she has the ability the the uh maybe a pathological type of charm some people can do that and also, yes, remember, other people are buying into this because the banks aren't checking credentials properly. Friends aren't following up to see if she knows other people in the circle. So it's, it's even more, it's even larger than just about her. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. 
Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. The trial has begun in the case of the woman who led people to believe she was a German heiress named Anna Delvey. 28-year-old Anna Sorkin is set to stand trial Wednesday on charges of grand larceny and theft of services after allegedly swindling $275,000 over the course of 10 months, according to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Sorkin is also accused of living in New York City hotel rooms she could not pay for, attempting to secure a $22 million loan to build a private arts club using false bank statements, reporting that she had millions of dollars overseas, as well as leaving a friend with a $62,000 bill for a trip to Morocco she allegedly promised to pay for. Prosecutor Catherine McCaw says the defendant has not assent to her name as far as we can determine, also noting that Sorokin is Russian-born, not German, though she could be deported to Germany no matter how the trial turns out as she's reportedly overstayed her visa. Under the name Anna Delvey, she arrived in New York with a high-priced wardrobe and was known for handing out $100 cash tips reportedly saying at different points that her father was a diplomat, an oil baron, or involved in the solar panel business, none of which are the case. People who knew her said she often asked others to use their credit cards to cover cab and plane fares and then failing to repay them. Our friend Michael Sisak at Time Magazine Online, yeah, there was one story that came out at trial, um, how she hired a PR firm to organize her birthday party in Soho. It emerged she never paid the bill. During her stay at 11 Howard, she struck up a friend uh, there in addition to the concierges to, and asked for the recommendations for the very, very, very best food in Soho. We also learned that on one occasion she invited friends to dinner at Soho saint Ambro, and the friend ended up paying a whopper massive bill when Sorokin's 12 credit cards were all declined. But Sorokin paid her back triple the amount the following day in cash. We also learned that she would go to um, unique treatments like infrared saunas in the East Village, go out to dinner after celebrity training sessions with Casey Duke, which Sorokin also paid for. John Limley, how did she get money from one bank to get a loan from another bank? How'd that work? It's a it's a very interesting line to follow how, how she did this. She would go to a bank and ask for a certain line of credit based on a lot of times just a promise of the fact that she had millions overseas that she could repay the loan. And she would go from one bank with that money to another bank and get an even larger. In fact, here's an example. Uh, she talked to an, exa- to an executive with City National Bank in, into giving her a line of credit on her account for $100,000 promising to repay it with a wire transfer from a European account. She'd use that money in a failed attempt to secure a $25 million loan from Fortress Investment Group. And uh, the one of the managing directors at Fortress has said that she ran into problems providing details about the origin of her wealth. Someone actually thought to ask about that. You know, her lies became more and more spectacular. Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor. In fact, she even managed to charter a private plane 
on one occasion with absolutely zero money, Wendy. How do you do that? Yeah, the level of sophistication, Nancy, as John was explaining, and and as we know now, looking back, was absolutely stunning. It was almost as if she was daring authorities to catch her in this escalating scheme of sophistication. And, you know, the answer to how you do that is the same way we commit, we see people committing other crimes, is sometimes people are so trusting because image matters. You know, this is something I talk about in my book. We tend to attribute all these positive qualities to somebody who comes across as believable, whether they're pretty or that we like what they say or we're enamored with their accent or their clothes. All the types of things that Anna used to get ahead can fool other people into letting them acquire the kind of wealth and, as you point out, tangible benefits that this young lady did. It's amazing to me that Hollywood is scrambling right now to try to get the rights to her story. This is her parents disown her and say she borrowed money from them, too. School friends back in Russia and Germany reveal she was nicknamed Barbie and her favorite movie was Mean Girls. Talk about red flags. John Limley, tell me about the Lux treatment she got in Morocco where she ended up stiffing her friend with the bill. Well, when they went to Marrakesh, uh, she went with a, a friend and she had offered to pay for everything. Now, her friend actually offered to help pay, but she said, no, 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 you work hard for your money, harder for your money than I do. This is my treat. And they would go out for a round of drinks and oops, she forgot her credit card. So she would ask, you know, very quietly if the friend could, you know, just cover this one check. And that would happen over and over and over again. And this friend, in the end, ended up covering the $62,000 cost of the flights, dining, shopping, and the stay at a hotel where they had a private villa with a courtyard, a pool, and a butler. Um, all the extravagance that you might say was fit for, say, a Kardashian. A $62,000 vacation. That is more than most people make an entire year. While in Marrakesh, Morocco, Sorokin, a.k.a. Delvi, took part in all the activities the hotel had to offer. For instance, they took private tennis lessons. They ate breakfast poolside. A butler would deliver them fresh watermelons and bottles of rosé. They roamed the gardens, relaxed, swam in the villa's private pool, took a tour of the wine cellar, ate dinner with live Moroccan music before capping off their nights with cocktails at the Churchill Bar. I mean, this is a trip that most people only dream of. You know, Wendy Patrick, don't laugh, but a couple of weekends ago, we really lived it up. I took the children camping. We went fishing. We built fires with our own hands, of course. And I did not use lighter fluid this time after my disastrous RV trip. Um, okay, from Twigs. That We picked up and gathered wood and built fires. Yes, I can build a fire. Two nights in a row and had hot dogs. I don't mean gourmet hot dogs. I mean the pink kind that you're not really sure what they are. They're long and skinny and slimy at the grocery store. And then we made s'mores. And can I tell you, 
it was one of the happiest weekends of my whole life. The twins are still talking about it. And then I'm looking at this girl. And I feel blessed to have gotten to do that. Believe me, I'm not complaining. I'm I'm, I'm counting my blessings. But I mean, really fresh watermelon and rosé poolside in Marrakesh. And it's all a big money grab. I mean, my stomach is just hurting because I'm thinking about my dad who would go to work on the railroad when even when he had chest pains. And when I would wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock, my mom was already gone to work at a canning company. And um, there would be three bowls of grits and three little cups of coffee, half milk, half coffee, sitting there for us because she'd be long gone to work. And now here's Miss Thing having a nearly $70,000 vacation built on crime. Yeah. You know, Nancy, one of the things your camping story illustrates is that the best things in life are free. And everybody knows that. So when you look at a story like this, part of, I think, the offense that everyone is taking is to use crime and criminal activity to build a fake world where people pay the kind of money that most of us would never do, even if we had it. You, know, you talk about the value of hard work, the way we were all raised. It sounds like those she surrounded herself were really taken with the fact that someone they believed was as rich and famous as she was would be interested in them. That is a basic human need, ironically, that was being satisfied through crime and through, as you pointed out earlier, having this imaginary friend that's larger than life. That's how she built this criminal empire. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Her true history, I'm talking about Anna Sorokin, a.k.a. Anna Delvey. You know, I don't know uh, about you, Jeff Cortese, uh, FBI special agent, but I loved it. When I would, of course, the prosecutor gets in front of an entire jury panel and reads the indictment before you begin jury selection. So everybody knows who's charged with what and what all the counts are. And I would love it to say State versus Jeff Cortese, a.k.a. Charlie Tuna, a.k.a. The Hammer, a.k.a. blah, 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 and so forth and so on. I would love reading out 10 or 12 aliases. And by the time you're done reading that, the jury just looks at the person and goes, you're so, you're, you're guilty. You're guilty. Why are you, why do you have 12 aliases? And this girl, I'm telling you, not only had aliases, but she had fake assistants. She lied about her mom and dad, who they really are. The reality is that her father was a truck driver. And uh, he went on to work at or start a heating and air conditioning business. The friends in school called her Barbie. And her favorite movie was Mean Girls. And... I don't think that's any of that is good. Okay. <laughs> that means nothing good, Jeff Cortese. No, I agree 100%. You hit it on the head. Uh, you know, the minute uh, individuals start layering themselves with aliases and AKAs, uh, you know, they're, they're putting up walls and barriers that, that any jury is going to be able to see through. Uh, you know, she really executed a well thought out plan against the banks. Uh, using multiple techniques and methods to siphon money from them. 
you know, from from top to bottom, she exploited uh, what what people want to see and and uh, exploited the type of lifestyle that people want to have to the extent that you know, if I was going to run an undercover, I would I would have done many of the techniques that that she did in order to manipulate uh, my audience. Well, another aspect to this, John Lumley, is I remember one day when John David came running home and went. So-and-so's mom is so cool. She works for Chick-fil-A, and she gets free T-shirts, and she gets this, and she gets that. I think the the lady, who's very lovely, was in marketing or PR and would bring home, you know, like a T-shirt or a, a moo cow or whatever they had. And I thought briefly of creating a different persona to try to impress John David's friends who were then four years old. Okay. But I just decided, no, I'm just going to stick with the truth, you know, and let the chips fall where they may. (laughs) But John Lumley, I mean, that would hurt me if I found out the twins were lying about their mom and dad, that what we are isn't good enough to fit in to, to their self-image they're projecting. That would really hurt my feelers. And that's exactly the way her parents felt about the whole thing. They actually did uh, help fund her through college and as she was getting out on her own, but there was never any sort of trust fund. Uh, she moved to Germany in 2007, and after she dropped out of college, she interned in public relations before then moving to Paris and became an intern at Purple Magazine. Once she arrived in New York City, she just somehow managed to be in all the sort of right places. And she was this German heiress, according to her, with a father that you would think was... Wait a minute. Of- I thought she was supposed to be a Russian heiress. Well, no. She she was from Russia, but she told people she was a German heiress. What's really funny, though, is that her German, according to a lot of people, was terrible. Hmm. Hmm. I want you to take a listen to what the defense claims in closing arguments. She had to fake it until she could make it. Those words from the defendant's own attorney, who claimed she never intended to commit a crime. But prosecutors call her a fraud and a liar who would do almost anything to prolong her life of luxury. This morning, the fate of an alleged scam artist is now in the hands of a jury. Both sides wrapping up arguments for a case that's drawn international outrage. The style-savvy defendant even turning heads in court wearing an animal print dress. She called herself Anna Delvey, a fashionable globetrotter who prosecutors say was pretending to be a high-flying German heiress, living a fairy tale life of glitz and glam among Manhattan's elite. I urge you to come to the only verdict that is in accord with both the law and the evidence, and that is that the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Prosecutors say the 28-year-old, whose real name is Anna Sorokin, stole $275,000 from banks, hotels, and friends, all part of an elaborate scheme to keep up her illusion of grandeur. Prosecutors also allege Sorokin tried securing a $22 million loan to operate a private club, claims her lawyer denies. I do not believe she had the intent to ever commit a crime. Whether she owes people money, that's a fact of life. That's that's the reality of doing business in New York. Now facing charges of grand larceny and theft, 
She could spend up to 15 years in prison if convicted. But officials say even if acquitted, she will be deported to Germany. Sorkin's attorney says she got in over her head but was just buying time until she could pay everyone back. You're hearing our buddy Whit Johnson at GMA at ABC Pay everybody back. I saw no signs of paying everybody back. And calling this doing business, that's certainly putting perfume on the pig. Now, you know there's a problem, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor and author of Red Flags, when the defense to theft and fraud is fake it till you make it. Okay, I would not say that that's a valid defense in a fraud case. You're admitting you're faking it. It's probably not a good theme for the defense, one I'm sure they're rethinking right about now. You, you don't want to, that, that's kind of playing right into the prosecutor's case. Uh, now, what they probably were trying to do, interestingly, in trial, and Nancy, you and I have both seen this, is really kind of painting this vulnerability picture of the defendant to try to make somebody feel sorry for her, that she was caught up in this false lifestyle, felt she had to pretend she was somebody she wasn't, who can't relate to that. There's a little bit of Anna in all of us. You know, some of the themes we've whoa, seen. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I, want, I want to isolate what you just said. Yeah. The defense argued at trial as if Anna Sorokin, a.k.a. Anna Delphi, was some type of a renegade, a, an, a rebel, someone who was, you know, making her own path in the world creatively. B.S. Don't tell me there's a little bit of Anna Sorokin in me because that was their defense. There's a little bit of Anna in all of us. Oh, uh, uh, mm. no, because she is a fraud, a, a thief, and she ripped people off, and they're never going to get repaid, Wendy. Right. That's what I'm saying. That Well, that's probably why she was convicted, because these defenses are just not realistic to jurors, to hardworking jurors that go on camping trips like you did and just cannot relate to the fact that we are anything like this picture of Anna. Nonetheless, we have seen this defense time and again, and thankfully it is not successful. You know, and speaking of my little camping trip, God willing, I get to go on another one. Take a, a listen to this. The courtroom drama played out late into the evening. At one point, the jury appeared deadlocked, the defense asking for a mistrial, but then the verdict. Jurors agreeing with the prosecution that Anna Sorokin built her fairy tale life on a foundation of theft and lies. Overnight, a New York City jury finding socialite Anna Sorokin, the so-called Soho grifter, guilty on eight counts, including grand larceny, attempted grand larceny, and theft of services. Prosecutors arguing the 28-year-old stole a quarter of a million dollars from banks, hotels, and friends to fund a lavish lifestyle. The jurors obviously believed our point of view and followed our logic and acquitted her of the top charges. I'm saddened that she was convicted of some of the other charges. Prosecutors say the Russian-born Sorokin, who called herself Anna Delvey, was pretending to be a high-flying German heiress, living a life of glamour among Manhattan's elite. Authorities say she even forged financial documents, hoping to get a $22 million loan to open a private club in the Big Apple. While she was turned down, she did convince one bank to loan her $100,000, which she never paid back. Her lawyer saying she meant to, but had gotten in over her head and was just buying time. Well, I guarantee you, she's not getting breakfast in bed, fresh watermelon and rosé at Rikers. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 